We're going to pretend like it's Saturday, even though it's Monday. Yeah. Welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim. And I am Steve. And if you hear loud booms going on outside, it it's is a cannon. Not the, it's not the 4th of July. We're getting thunderstorms that, as it went through like Iowa and places like that, there were 100 mile an hour wind gusts. We're only supposed to get 60 mile an hour here tonight in I'm gonna Ohio. I'm going to be so mad if in our new house we get 100 mile an hour wind gusts that rip our roof off. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Anyway, we have a special show. It's um, We oh, promised an interview last week. We promised an interview. And we have an interview. And I really don't know how we're going to title this one yet. And we'll, we'll come we'll up with something. But we have Sarah as our guest. And Sarah, how would you describe your lifestyle? I would probably have to describe our lifestyle as maybe a naturalist or naturalist of the suburbs. Oh, I like that. A, a naturalist, sub, a, a suburban, suburban naturalist. naturalist. I like it. There we go. Yeah, so what what does that mean? Um, for us, it means we uh, we just try and find kind of alternative routes to live our lifestyle. Not If you think about it, everyone's so mainstream just because it's been ingrained in everyone's head, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily the correct path for everyone to take. And so we like exploring other options. And if it is a good path for our family we do our research about it and make sure it, it will work for us and then we kind of start exploring dipping our toes in and then we just kind of take off from there okay so you say your family can you elaborate on that a little bit you have it's you and your wonderful husband marco and then two little guys little not little guys little ones one little guy one little girl yes my son turns two in two weeks and my daughter turns four next month wow they have grown <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So could you briefly describe, and we'll get into more detailed questions, but when you say this, what type of things is it? What are we looking at? Are what are, we looking, what at are we looking at? Food? <laughs> are we looking at the, like. Yeah. So we kind of dip into a little bit of everything in terms of how we raise our children to the food we eat. We're a vegan family. And we're also planning on homeschooling. My kids aren't quite old enough for school yet, but they will be within the next year. But we do have plans for homeschooling them. Uh, we're also gardeners. We're working on expanding our garden. And we also try to live a really eco-friendly life with everything we purchase and what we use and consume inside of our household. Okay, so I've noticed we are friends on Facebook, and I've noticed that you're friends with Steffi. Are, have, have oh, you are you Ste- friends with Steffi? Uh, yeah, I just uh, got in contact with her a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, we do have a lot of really similar. Yes, you do. Philosophies. You do. <laughs> really similar but different. It, it's very similar but different, and that's why we ask you to be on the show this week to talk mm-hmm. about how you are different. Well, and I think one of the big differences is Steffi is in a really pretty remote rural community, and you are mm-hmm. smack dab in the middle of the suburbs. Yeah, slightly country, yeah, small town. Yeah. It's, yeah, but I mean, you you live in a neighborhood. Um, yeah. You you have what a half acre lot? Yeah, I think it's a half three quarter. I can't remember exactly. I don't do numbers very well. But it's not like you have like this big rural farm that you're working with. So no, not at all. So how do you do that? How do you? I know that you grow a lot of your own food, especially being being vegan. 
Um, so do you grow most of your own food or just some of it? And how does that work as far as space goes? Wow. <laughs> uh, right now we have three raised garden beds. They're, they're on the larger side of garden beds would be, but our garden this year has not produced much. This is our first garden. We just bought our first house last summer. So we're really trying to get everything the way we want it to be. So our gardens this year, it, there was a huge learning curve for us, but we had um, strawberries, corn, kale, broccoli, cauliflower, peas, spinach, lettuce, tomatoes, zucchini, cucumbers, a loofah, which I'm super excited about. And a, <laughs> a couple loofah. Other Isn't that a sponge you rub your back with? It is. And that's one of the things that we're really excited about because you can grow the loofah squash in your garden and then you harvest the seeds from it and you can use the actual loofah as sponges on your dishes or for your body in the shower. And it's completely compostable and it doesn't leave any kind of um, it doesn't pollute the world in any way. I didn't so even realize that. you said it's a squash. It's a, it's a gourd. Yeah. You have to dry it out. I thought loofahs were like sponges, for sponges that like grew like in the SpongeBob ocean. Yeah. Under the yeah. sea. I had no idea. Interesting. Yeah. I've seen them down at Tarpon Springs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, so, oh, those are different. The loof, those are sponges that you find in the ocean. This is the gourd that you grow in your garden. They're different things. Well, I will have to check that one out and see what that one looks like and see if it will scrub my back as well as a loofer from Tarpon Springs, Florida. So, Sarah, what led you to this point in your life? Well, I guess we grew up, we were always camping, we we're always outside. I remember one of my favorite memories, I, we were in some national park and climbing up a mountain, and I said, I'm going to be a mountain climber, and so it just always stuck with me. I've always loved being outside. Uh, we grew up near rivers and creeks, and I remember catching frogs and worms and all kinds of fun things when I was little, and um, kind of lost sight of that going through college, just being so overwhelmed with books and then work, focusing on that. But then once um, Marco and I started our family, I didn't want our children to be consumed with technology and just be little zombies on the screen. So I wanted to give them the childhood that I had and that my husband had. And that is largely just being outside and just trying to live a more natural life. And I think it is a really good way to live because it, you, they, my kids don't know who Mario is. They don't know <laughs> any of those cool shows on TV, but they know so much about just outside. They can tell you, my one-year-old son, who turns two in two weeks, can tell you, all about a monarch butterfly and my almost four-year-old can direct you on a trail and follow different paths on a trail, read the map. And she's learning how to use a compass right now. So it's, she, like, it's a different learning style, but it's really interesting and it's fun for them. Your four-year-old is better at navigation than I am. <laughs> like I can't <laughs> tell you which way is south. She can. <laughs> so you, you said um, you, you're vegan. Your family's vegan. Yeah. And is okay, so is that for ethical health or other reasons? Why why did you choose veganism? Because sure, I um, think that is pretty much misunderstood by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well it's kind of evolved. We we were inspired by a documentary that came out. We watched it and it got us really interested into this lifestyle. And um, at that time, we were really big into running and cycling, and our daughter was just about to start eating solid foods. And I'd had some reservations with her just starting meat. Like, I kept telling her daycare teachers, oh, please don't feed her that. I'm not ready for her to eat it yet. And 
after we kind of explored veganism. I don't know. It just, it, I've never really cared for red meats anyway. They always made me feel sick when I was, when I still ate meat, but we studied veganism and we decided that it was the healthiest um, eating or diet that we could follow. And even when we are eating junk food, like we've eaten so many fruits and vegetables during the day that if we want to eat some popsicles at the end of the night or a couple of cookies, it doesn't matter because it balances out really well. And like they're vegan cookies, like Oreos are completely vegan. So it still balances out that we've eaten a healthy day, the whole day we've eaten really healthy. So if we want to snack on something at the end of the day, it doesn't throw off our whole day um, because we've had all the vitamins, nutrients, and that we've needed throughout the day. Um, but as, that's what we started with, was just trying to be more health conscious, especially for our children. And since then, we've kind of evolved to be a little bit more on the ethical side um, for animals' rights and also with the environment. It's a, it, being vegan does a huge is a huge help for the environment just in itself. So we are also trying to teach our children that we should respect all life and respect the planet. You want to chime in on the honey debate? Um, <laughs> it was kind of controversial. I, we try not to buy any um, honey from the store, but I have a very, very dear friend who is a beekeeper. She is also vegan. And when her honey supply is overflowing and it's crowding her beehives, she will source that honey to give the bees room that they need. And she takes very, very, very good care of her bees. Like you've never met someone so passionate about bees as her. Happy so bees. So if she gives us honey, I'm okay with it. Happy, <laughs> so like that there. commercial, so, happy happy cows come from California. Happy bees come from, from Ohio. Ohio. <laughs> yes, <laughs> from Miss Sharon. <laughs> and you. Yay for the bees. You. Yeah. Um, I like honey. Uh, I love honey. You have expressed to me recently that you're interested in starting beekeeping on your own. Yeah, I would really love to start doing that. We have a pollinator garden in our yard just to support the bees that are in our community already. But I would really like to get some bees in our backyard because that would help our garden also. And it's just good for the environment in general. But I have a ton of kids at my house and I don't know how it would go well with other with lots of children. I mean, it would be a really cool learning experience. But I mean, little kids are sometimes too curious around bees. So we need to take a lot of precautions before we consider getting bees at this point. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. You're you have a ton of kids at your house. Would you care to elaborate? Yes. <laughs> um, we are running a very small preschool out of our house right now, and it's a natural play-based preschool. Um, I tell all of our parents to please, please, please bring in really old play clothes they no longer care about because the kids usually come home covered in dirt and paint because <laughs> mm -hmm. we let them go outside with shovels and we let them dig in the dirt and they find worms and they learn about how worms are good for your garden. They help enrich the soil. They climb trees and get bark all over them. They play in the sandbox and they go home with sand in their hair. And we do a lot of painting and painting's wonderful for kids. They learn colors. It's sensory. There's, we can learn art history. So our, they, they never leave looking the same as when they come in. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to put your ethical to a test here. Okay. So, you know, you know, I'm not vegan, so if I came down, would you give me a couple night crawlers to go fishing with? I mean, yeah, 
I'm not going to harp on anyone who doesn't care to. I'm pulling your leg here. Live. <laughs> I, I think my need to be polite would overcome. <laughs> yes, there is nothing if not polite. <laughs> so how much research did you have to do to to make the switch from carnivorous to um, to going vegan or plant-based? How much research did you do and study to make sure that you're getting a, a balanced diet? Because I know with uh, your son, you were vegan during that entire pregnancy and you had doctor's blessings and all that. Can you talk about that for a little bit? Well, that's something else too, because with your daughter who is older, you were not vegan during your pregnancy. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. Were the pregnancies different? Like, did you feel different? Uh, I had a lot less morning sickness with my son, the second pregnancy. Um, I gained right about the same amount of weight with both of them. The only issue during the pregnancy, my son had a little bit trouble gaining weight while he was in utero. And the only issue that my doctors had, they just told me to eat more and I was constantly eating. That was like the last two months of the pregnancy. I just couldn't eat enough to keep up with it. So I, um, I upped my protein intake at that time. And after what, two weeks, sorry, I'm asking my husband to check. I think after about two weeks of eating more protein and our next ultrasound to make sure he was still, he was gaining weight the way he should have been. He had already doubled in size. Side (laughs) note. He has no trouble gaining weight now. He is the chunkiest, cutest little guy. Yes. Both of my babies were uh, like six, seven pounds, and now they are the 97th and 98th percentile (laughs) for their height and weight. So they've gained five. They're they're adorable. (laughs) Yeah. So let's go back to the research. How much research did you have to do to, to make sure what you're doing was safe and healthy? Sure. Um, we started off, like I said before, we watched uh, a documentary, I think it was What the Health was what it was called. And that inspired us to like, it opened a door that we didn't even know was there. So we watched a couple men, a couple more documentaries. I think they were on Netflix just to kind of wrap our heads around the whole idea. And after we watched these documentaries, that's when we started doing what well, I started doing more of the research <laughs> part of it. Way to throw Marco uh, under the bus. <laughs> He just lets me do what I want and follows along. <laughs> so we, I did a lot of research online. I checked out a couple books from the library. And after I had a good sense from that research, I talked to my doctor and about it. And they said it's a completely safe diet. It's a great lifestyle as long as you're conscious of what you're eating. Um, I checked with my kids' pediatricians, and they said the same exact thing. It's a respectable lifestyle. You just need to make sure you're getting everything you need. We do need to take a B12 vitamin daily, and that's really the only supplement we ever need to take. Um, I've had blood tests done since then, like right after my pregnancy, a couple months, like six months after the pregnancies, and all my levels were completely normal and in good standing for everything. So it's it's a healthy lifestyle. You just seem to be a little bit conscious of what making sure that you're meeting all those needs. And now, so describe a few meals because I think a lot of people think vegan and they think, well, you can, green beans. you can eat a salad, you can eat, you know, rabbit food, but mm-hmm. there are actually, um, I know that I personally have made what I thought was a delicious vegan beef Wellington, um, mm-hmm. which didn't actually have beef in it. Uh, there are a lot of recipes out there. So what kinds of things, vegan recipes, do you have? 
everything. You can make anything <laughs> vegan anymore. If you go to the store, you can find vegan butter. There's vegan milk. There's anything you can make vegan now. So, um, like a typical day for us, we wake up, we eat oatmeal in the bre- for breakfast or toast. Um, we usually have some fruit with breakfast as well. For lunch, it can be anything from noodle pasta. Sorry, my kids call it noodles. We call it <laughs> pasta with beans, and we put a lot of spinach in as well. And we always do a vegetable on the side. Um, my son, his favorite food is broccoli, so we usually have broccoli with our lunch. Um, sometimes we just do peanut butter and jelly because I'm in a rush and that's a lot more simple than cooking pasta. Um, for dinner, we do a lot of rice, but when we cook our rice, we also mix in other kinds of grains. Like we'll sometimes do quinoa mixed in with the rice and my kids don't notice it. Or we'll do, um, oh, millet, which is another type of grain. We'll throw that in. It looks similar to quinoa, so they're used to it. They have no idea they're eating anything other than rice, which they love. Uh, we do a lot of beans, garbanzo beans, black beans, pinto beans, and we always have vegetable with our dinner as well. And for dessert, we usually eat some fruit or sometimes we'll just uh, do some ice cream or cookies for dessert. And we don't always do that, but usually just fruit, frozen fruit. <laughs> That's what we do for normal day. But um, I know kids always love chicken nuggets. We take chickpeas, we throw them in the blender with oats. Um, nutritional yeast, a little bit of garlic, parsley, and salt, and they come out, you put them in the oven for about 15 minutes, and they're really tasty chicken nuggets that I've had kids who aren't vegan and really picky eaters eat these chicken nuggets, and they love it. They can't tell the difference. Was it hard to find the recipes, and, like, was there a lot of trial and error that went along? I'm Like, I would never in a million years think to make those chicken nuggets like that. Like, I... If I were to try to make vegan chicken nuggets, I would have no idea how to do it. I would probably go to the store and buy the processed stuff in the frozen food aisle. So how do you, like how did you find all of this stuff? Pinterest is my best friend. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so when we first started, we would find we would think of all the recipes that we really wanted and we kind of missed, and you could just look on Pinterest, and there's a way to turn anything vegan. So um, burgers, for example. You can mix up black beans with some other different frozen vegetables, um, some oats, and flax seeds. Flax seeds serves as an emulsifier, so it'll hold everything together. Um, blend it and cook it, and it tastes really good. Like we don't, I don't miss the meat, so I, I know it does have a very strong veggie taste. Maybe that some people wouldn't be used to, but for us, it's a really good burger. <laughs> well, I imagine you could, with you know salt and pepper and garlic yeah, and yeah. onion and stuff like that and mask yeah. the as you said the veggie taste to it when yeah, we season it a lot it's interesting too you talk about homeschooling your kids there's a lot of science that goes into veganism um you know you talk about emulsifier and you got to teach the kids what is an emulsifier and measuring mm-hmm. and all of and you know so you've got math you've got science you've got states of matter and um, so it's a really, uh, it sounds like you're doing a really holistic approach to just everyday life. Yeah, we try to. Uh, yeah, my four-year-old knows how to make salsa, pancakes, cake. Um, she can cut with a knife. <laughs> so I, if I'm making something, they're usually sitting on the counter or on the stool watching and helping. And they love to get their hands dirty and help make all the food and bake like we do. Um yeah, it's a good experience for them. They love measuring. It's a good sensory 
outlet too for them like playing in flour or sugar while they're mixing everything together so yeah. so as i as i've gone to the store i've seen like vegan butter vegan milk and things like that as, mm-hmm. to use as substitutes but if you were going to say bake a cake and you didn't want to use the processed stuff from there what would you substitute what like for eggs what would you substitute without buying like a processed thing from Kroger or something like that? Yeah. So the only thing that we really buy processed anymore would be um, vegan butter because I like the taste of butter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Almond milk, cashew milk, coconut milk. Um, That's really all we buy processed anymore. So for eggs, what we do, we don't buy the store-bought vegan egg replacements. We just use flax seeds. You can buy them crushed or you can buy them whole and you just kind of um, grind them down and you put them in a mixture of three to one with water and you let it sit for about five minutes and it turns into a gel and that replaces an egg. So that's what we use mostly for baking. We found that um, a flax egg works best for us in our baking over bananas or applesauce or chia seeds. Okay. And that's, I think what I've heard most people say, oh, you can just throw applesauce in here and that'll Mm -hmm. substitute for an egg, but you are going beyond applesauce here. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, we found that applesauce made it a little too mushy, but mm. black seeds for us worked pretty well. So it sounds like a lot of trial and error. It was at first, but, um, I mean, we've been doing this for about three years now. And that first year, there was probably a lot of recipes that made my <laughs> husband really question what we were doing. But, <laughs> but now I you've think, got it down. <laughs> yeah, that might be why he usually cooks when he's home for me anyway. <laughs> Now you, you mentioned earlier in your uh, raised raised garden, your raised beds, uh-huh. how much of your food are you raising for yourself? Or are you having to go to like farmer's markets and to other co-ops and places like that to supplement what you're able to raise right now, especially since you're new, I'll, I'll say fairly new at this and just starting? Yeah. Um, so this was our first year at this house. We for our first summer in it, where we could have made a garden. Um, I've never really had a big garden before, so this was our first year. There was a big learning curve. Um, so we we've learned a lot from the mistakes we've made. We know that next year we need more soil and we need to fertilize it better. Um, we're going to be composting this coming year, and um, we need to put up a fence because, as my daughter says, Peter Rabbit keeps eating all of our strawberries. So Aww. we've learned a lot. <laughs> We've learned a lot from the garden this year, but right now we have um, a lot of tomatoes coming in. We had a couple cucumbers, nothing huge. Our we our spinach did really well and our lettuce did really well, but they we haven't bothered to plant new ones yet. And our squash is coming in. Um, we tried to do corn and it just didn't take. I think the we didn't have enough soil in it, so they got. One of the groundhogs who lives in the neighborhood, I think, came and took that away. So we've had a lot of trouble with um, mm. just pests eating our garden. So mostly just tomatoes and strawberries and spinach is what we've been able to eat from the garden. So we have a farmer's market. We live in the middle of downtown in a little country town where we are. And our farmer's market is within walking distance, about 10 minutes. And oh, we take nice. our wagon and we walk down every Thursday if we can. And we shop at the farmer's market. Um, we wanted to do a CSA this year, but we never, we didn't find one that we really fit for us. That was uh, close by. What's, what's a CSA? CSA, remember we talked about that with Steffi? 
No, that's why I'm asking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a co-op for a garden. Sometimes there's different ways you can do it. Some you just pay the farmer and they drop off different boxes of their food that they've made. And some have more of a co-op sense where you can go and you actually help the farmer make whatever it is that they are farming and you can take some of that back with you. And I think they still charge a small fee, but not as much as the ones where you just pay and they do bring everything for you. Now, are you trying to eat with the seasons? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Is that maybe a goal for the future? Like figure out how to cycle through and when to plant versus harvest and all that good stuff? Yes, we are looking more into that. We're actually getting ready to plant our fall garden. We've been looking at what vegetables we can do for our fall garden. And um, the beekeeper I mentioned earlier, she's kind of my vegan mentor. She wants to go into canning with us next year. So maybe that's something we can explore next year. Um, That was going to be my next question is, do you can anything yet? Not yet. It's on our to-do list for next year. Um, This year was mostly just a lot of um, getting started with the garden because we had to build all of our garden beds and put up a fence (laughs) and do all that fun stuff. So next year we hope to really grow our garden and have a lot, have it more successful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've, we've talked a lot about your diet and veganism, but before Mm -hmm. we move on though, is there anything that you're craving or that you crave for a while that you really missed, at least when you first started this, that like, man, I really do wish I could have a, t-bone right now or is there anything <laughs> that you really craved or missed that you but you've gotten over it um I've never once missed meat I think my husband has he's missed meat a little bit and cheese he grew up in Mexico so he misses a lot of the food that he grew up with he can't um we make variations of it like enchiladas we will use zucchini um so we try and find substitutions for the things that we miss um when we first started I missed baked goods like crazy Mm. I have a I have a sweet tooth so it was hard not being able to eat muffins and cupcakes but donuts but now um some of our local bakeries and a lot of I think Dunkin Donuts is even coming out with vegan donuts soon but that was the kind of things I missed you're done anymore you're done when Dunkin Donuts has vegan donuts Sarah you're done (laughs) right (laughs) But, I mean, you can find anything at the store now. You might have to go to Whole Foods to find, like, vegan donuts like we do. We go maybe once or twice a month. Or, I'm sorry, once or every every month or so. So, okay, stop. Sorry, I'm getting tongue-tied. <laughs> <laughs> um, we go to Whole Foods maybe once so, a month or every two months is what I'm trying to say. Once yeah. a month or every two months to Whole Foods. <laughs> so, for someone, you know, there, there's a lot of jokes about veganism and stuff like that what do you think is the biggest misconception about you know that other people have about veganism like hippie or or you're weird what what's the biggest misconception that you think people have about veganism and i think there's a stigma with people who are vegan a lot with um that vegans try and shove veganism down your throat I try not to do that with anyone. I think I probably did at first, like, oh, you should try this. And because I was excited about it, but we really try not to force it onto anyone. But if people ask questions, we're happy to answer them or maybe suggest things here and there. Um, Maybe there is another stigma that vegans are 
like toothpicks, but I mean, if you look at my children, you can they are see that not, not toothpicks. True. <laughs> they're, they're you and Margo are toothpicks. The kids, not so much. Yeah, they, I mean, all they eat are fruits and vegetables, and they're they're very they're chunky. They've got some <laughs> cheeks on them, <laughs> but they're strong. Like they can. My four year old does things on the playground that older kids can't do, and they're, I mean, they're strong. They're just little chunky. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you mentioned earlier that you have an in-home daycare center. Um, yeah. So, and you're doing an alternative educational approach with your kids. So can you explain what that looks like? Yeah. So um, my kids, they're not in the school age system yet. They're not in public school yet, but they won't be attending public school. Um, that's another thing we've been researching. It's not coronavirus related my daughter has some health issues that we don't feel comfortable sending her to a school system we want to be able to monitor her closely and um that kind of got me started I think I've always before that though I've always been interested in alternative forms of education like we sent my daughter to a Montessori preschool last year because I just didn't like regular preschools and the approach that they always take to it so I last year was kind of dipping her toes into alternative education with the Montessori. Um, This year, we decided to, after my daughter's hospital stay, we decided to go for homeschooling. And um, what fits our lifestyle best is a outside nature-based activity or nature activity play-based homeschool education. And we've kind of turned that around into a preschool as well for other families who have um, similar mindsets. So all of our kids, like we do our circle time. Sometimes we do it inside. Sometimes we did outside, depending on the weather, because I don't want to take books out in the rain, but um, we'll do, sometimes we do kitchen table activities with art. Sometimes we take our easel outside or we go and paint outside and observe nature, listen to the birds around us. And it's, it's a, there's something about being outside little kids. Like we have, um, some very spirited kids who, when they're inside, they run back and forth. They're loud. They would normally be the kids who get in trouble inside. But when you take them outside, they're free to play and run and they're not in trouble anymore. They're just playing and being kids. And it's something so calming to them, maybe about being outside that it's. Yeah. I know, it was Einstein. Like actually, Einstein said that freedom is the high or play is the highest form of learning. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I totally get it. Um, and you actually, I have a master's degree in education mm-hmm. and, uh, pretty much a CDA, which is a child development associates. And you know, more than I do about some of the, and, and you have never gone to school for education, but no. you are self-taught and you have taken the initiative and learned more about educational theorists and, and different things than I have in my very expensive college <laughs> education. Well, that goes with our whole theory of this show. What's that? Do your research, research and, educate and educate yourself. yourself. Yeah. If ever there was a poster <laughs> child for do your research and educate yourself, it's Sarah. Um, <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about that and about some of the different theorists that you've studied and how you kind of picked and chose and are, you know, do you follow one theorist more than another? Or do you, is it just kind of a mishmash of stuff that sounds like it would make sense? Um, so when we first started home, we researching homeschooling, it's overwhelming all these different 
philosophies for child education that you will come across. The ones that stuck out the most are ones specifically geared towards homeschooling. So those were the ones I kind of stuck with the most. Um, like I kind of steered away from some of the traditional child theorists. Like um, I can't pronounce the guy's name, P something. Piaget probably. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but what we really researched was Maria Montessori and her mm-hmm. approach. We researched um, Charlotte Mason. She's a really big one with homeschooling and the Waldorf education. We looked into that as well. And those are the really structured sort of philosophies for homeschooling. But we also looked into unschooling, which is something I was told at first never to do. (laughs) (laughs) I would have been happy with unschooling. Okay, so so let's talk about unschooling for a minute. Because (laughs) like I said, you have done your research and educated yourself. My understanding about unschooling in like real honest classical unschooling is essentially it is chi- completely child-led. You mean it's not playing hooky? Almost. <laughs> it is completely child-led. I unschooled the, a couple times. <laughs> the child dictates what they want to learn, what they don't want to learn, when they want to learn, when they don't want to learn. And if they don't want to learn something, then they don't have to learn it. If they don't feel like sitting down and doing school that day, then they don't have to. Is that correct, or am I totally off base? (laughs) Um, In a sense, it is child-led, but that doesn't mean the parents aren't involved at all. A lot of people say that unschooling is more taxing for parents than any other form of homeschooling because the parents have to pay such close attention and really foster an environment of um, education and learning for their child. So, for instance, if your child, if they're doing unschooling, they want to lead their own education if you notice that your child like my right now my daughter is fascinated by fossils so instead of just being a lazy parent just letting her dig in the dirt I might say oh you are interested in fossils let's read this book about fossils and I would go and research different fossil museums around the area and we would go and visit all these different places and I would pull up different books about fossils and I would go out and dig with her and say oh look here's a rock. Do you see a fossil on here? Or we could use our imagination, dig in the sand pit, hide different dinosaurs, and she could pretend and we would use vocabulary like, oh, are you pretending to be a paleontologist today or an archaeologist? And that opens up new doors from when she was just fascinated by fossils to see, oh, here's a career path in paleontology or in being an archaeologist. Um, from there, I mean, the, you really have to prepare the environment. So yes, it's child-led, but you also have to be really observant and see what your child notices so you can kind of gently push them towards um, educating themselves and learning, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So uh, how do you get into, and I I don't know the right term, and Kim will have to correct me on this, but like Mm -hmm. into like what I would say basic skills because obviously they need to learn how to read they need to learn vocabulary. They need to learn how to do math, addition, subtraction, and all that good stuff. How do you mm-hmm. supplement that into this theory? I think what you're asking is, at some point, if you choose to homeschool for their entire educational career, they're going to have to pass benchmark tests determined by the state at various levels. How do you ensure that they are able to test well 
in addition to learning basic life skills. Is that that's what you're a, asking? That's exactly what I meant. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so I guess like we haven't gone that whole way yet. We've just done our research for it. So I can't speak from experience, but what I imagine is that a kid's going to learn how to read when they're ready to learn how to read. Like my daughter is almost four, but she can read three letter words right now because we've, we've created the environment that she can learn that way. But if you're just going to let your kid learn when they're ready to learn, like if we stopped kind of encouraging her so much and we just let her go to when she was ready, maybe she would be seven, nine years old. And that's completely okay because that's when she's ready to learn. And she would probably at that point, just be able to teach herself how to read Um, math skills. Like you can play monopoly and you can learn how to do that right now. We have a toy cash register and toy money that we bought from Target, and we sit down and we play um, grocery store. So they'll pick up a card, and there's a balloon. It's a dollar twenty-five. So I'll hold the card and say, "Oh, this balloon is one dollar and twenty-five cents." And I help my children find the one dollar and the twenty-five cents. And that's early math right there. And they're three and one. So I mean, you, it's there. It might not be such a formal education, but they're they're sponges with their minds. They can absorb everything and they'll pick it up eventually. And if for a lot of older students, if they decide that they want to go to college, a lot of the older high school students, for example, they will probably, if even if they've been unschooled their whole lives, they would probably, I would imagine, like try and start a more formal math curriculum that they can get more experience before they head to college. So let me ask you um, what I would imagine is probably a difficult question, and I'm afraid it's going to come out offensively, and I don't mean it to. (laughs) Okay. Um, What do you say to parents then who say, this sounds great. You know, I would love for my kids to be able to, like, have this holistic and, you know, whole brain approach to learning, but I have to work. And I have mm-hmm. to, like, I can't, I just don't have this this time that you have being sort of a stay-at-home mom running a daycare center. Not every parent, not everybody can run a daycare center. Um, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, I've done it and it's not for everybody and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to those parents that who have jobs in other industries or whatever that aren't able to homeschool their kids or aren't able to do this holistic approach? I know what she's thinking. Send them to my school. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Aside from that, <laughs> what would you say to those parents? I would say to them, school does not have to be nine o'clock to four o'clock Monday through Friday. Like that's, that's the public school school hours that everyone has to follow, but that is not what you have to do. One of the um, groups I'm in is for homeschooling working moms. And it's amazing the schedules that they come up with. Some of them have nannies that watch their kids while they're at work. And when they come home, they spend the couple hours from like 530 to bedtime doing their schoolwork. And that's really all you need, because if you think about it in public school, how many times did you hear the class clown be told to stop talking, sit down? A lot. (laughs) Exactly. (sighs) So when you're homeschooled, you don't need this, what, seven, eight hours a day going through all those lessons and just busy work for a lot of it. Um, nothing against teachers because I mean, it's a completely different environment, but when it's one-on-one or one to however many children you have, you can give them so much more direct personalized attention. 
and you can really help them the way they need help, then you can really condense a lot of what you would call traditional schoolwork into the time that you have. Is there, is there a model and a place for parents who, you know, uh, if, you're, if your child, you're not able to, you know, you work full time, you can't mm-hmm. hire a nanny to stay at home with your kids during the day, you have mm-hmm. to send them to school because it's either school or daycare and you're going to send them to school. How does this fit in with, with that lifestyle? I'm sorry, I don't understand your question completely. So like you're, you're talking about, so you're in your Facebook group, you say that there uh-huh. are parents who have nannies that stay with the kids during the day and then they practice homeschooling in the evening. If there are parents, you know, you have a single working mom, she, she's not going to be able to afford a nanny. She has to send her kids to public school because that's what she can afford. But she wants to make sure that they're getting a holistic education. What does that look like? There are actually a lot of single moms in that group, and it's amazing what they do. Like, they really apply themselves to not only their jobs but to their children. But they, I mean, they can't do it without help. They do need someone to watch their kids, especially the younger kids. Um, some of them, their older kids, I, from what I understand, like, they're okay to sit at home, and they are disciplined enough. They know the drill that they need to get their lessons done, but then they have the rest of the day to do what they want. Um, some parents choose a co-op to where – they might have a couple like-minded families and they take turns doing their jobs. Some do three shifts a week. Um, my husband and I, before we had this schedule, I worked nights, three nights a week and he worked days and we were able to switch childcare just between the two of us. So, I mean, there's different ways you can do it. You might have to think differently, but you can get it done. If it's something important to you, you can find a way to do it. It might just, it might mean some changes. It might mean some sacrifices, but they're your children and they're worth it. Now talking about your kids, um, Mm -hmm. do you, do you foresee, um, you know, as they get older and as they kind of learn and are exposed to a little bit more of the world and a little bit more of judgmental people, do you, what, what challenges do you see coming up with them and, and how are you preparing now to face those questions and to face those judgments and challenges that you never want your kids to experience, but I'm sure that living an alternative lifestyle, you know that that's going to happen. I think just being out of the school system, they already have so much more possibilities to be able to learn those kind of problem-solving skills because they go to the grocery store with me in the middle of the day when most kids would be at school and they get to interact with other adults. Like it's not normal for kids to be only around peers their same age. Like, are you... And I the same age, we're not, but we're still conversing. Like we have learned to adapt and talk to people from different ages. Like my children are biracial and bilingual. So we have, we have to learn a lot of different ways. And that's something we talk about frequently is just some people look different, but I tell my daughter, all little girls are beautiful and all little boys are handsome. So we've talked already at such a young age about, there's differences in people in the color of their skin and their languages and their lifestyle. My daughter will ask if we're at somebody else's house, she'll ask, is this food vegan? Because she knows she needs to take care of herself and make sure she's eating the food that she needs to eat. So a lot of it, we're just preparing them at home for, like we read a lot of books about a lot of different kind of diverse books and it's just preparing them at home. They're 
we have other kids who come here, so they're not unsocialized in any way. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the stigmas for homeschooling kids. We have a lot of kids that come in and out of these doors, and they have to learn how to play with all kinds of different kids of different ages and different backgrounds, and they have to learn to problem solve with those children. And I think that's something I'm also trying to be mindful of instead of um, watching them get into a conflict and just putting one in time out, I will tell them like, what's the problem? How can you fix it? And they'll try and solve it themselves. But if they can't, I'll start offering advice and kind of coaching them through different ways to solve their problems. So I think they have a little bit of an advantage, honestly, because I am able to prepare them for different situations that they might encounter that someone, I mean, not necessarily saying all public school kids wouldn't be prepared in the same way if their parents were conscious of it they could prepare them for it absolutely but it's something we need to be a little bit more mindful of and we can prepare them at an earlier age for some kind of conflict like that so with your approach to education is it going to be year-round constant learning or is it going to be you know are they going to get a summer break or is it going to be more like the uh the, the full-time year-round school where, you know, you, you go for six, seven weeks, you take two, three weeks off, then or, you go back to school. Or do you even get breaks? Uh, we haven't even actually thought that far ahead because my daughter, like, next year would be her year that she would actually start kindergarten, but we're actually starting her on kindergarten this year a year early because she's very, very bright and she already knows what's on the curriculum for that skill set, all those skills in the kindergarten level. So I think what we'll probably end up doing is she'll start, they'll start in September. They'll take maybe two week breaks here and there. But even with those two week breaks, when they're not doing the sit down traditional work of what we would do for our homeschooling traditional work, it would be, let's go on a hike. And what can you learn when you're on your hike? Like we went on a hike the other day and her grandparents taught her and my son, moss grows on the north side of the tree and since she's been playing around with the compass she was able to relate that so there's learning in every situation like a lot of people think learning has to be you sit down with a notebook in a textbook and you learn but that's not that's not necessarily how learning happens like you can learn outside you can learn inside you can learn when you're laying in bed in your pajamas like learning doesn't have to be one specific way in a classroom at a desk. Now you mentioned diversity. Mm-hmm. What does that look like from a, a gender, religion, political viewpoint as the kids get older and, and start to have questions about that kind of thing? So for us, we're not doing a religious based homeschool. Like all of our classes are going to be completely secular, even though we are a Christian family, we go to church on Sunday. Um, I feel like education should be separate from religion. Um, We still say our prayers before we eat lunch, breakfast, and dinner. But when it comes to the learning time, I think it should be, um, we're going to do science, facts-based everything and keep church on Sunday. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't call myself far left but I grew up on the right and now I'm kind of swinging towards the left (laughs) but I have friends that are very very far right on the political spectrum and I mean her kids are gonna grow up with that mindset I'm gonna grow up teaching my kids what we feel is right but they're still gonna have to learn how to 
get along with people who have different political values and then you can talk politics with someone and still keep it completely respectful and civil. And that's what I hope to instill in my kids, even though just to learn to listen to others' opinions and then respect that opinion. You can share your opinion, but if they're not respectful, it's time to walk away. What about social media and screen time? I know that that's something that you are, screen time is something that you feel is very limited, Mm -hmm. but does it have a place? I mean, there are a lot of educational apps and as they get older, is, is that something that is going to have a place in their lives? Yeah. I mean, eventually it will, because we do live in a technological world. So at some point we're going to let them explore technology a little more, but right now they're, they're two and four. they (laughs) They don't need to be on tablets all day or they don't need phones when, at any certain age, when they actually need it, they can have it. They don't need it for the social aspects. Like you can bring back pen pals and they can write to people across the country. Um, like we just recently, this week, we're meeting up with a local paleontologist who's going to have some fossils and rocks and minerals. And I would love for my kids to kind of learn from her instead of learn from an app. <laughs> sure. I think it would be so much more, that would stick out so much more in their minds when they're it's planting a seed of knowledge instead of on an app that just kind of blends in with the rest of the screen that they're not really going to remember. I mean, it's good. Apps have a place, but for such a young age, I don't think so. And I'm not to say my kids don't get TV time. They do. Like we watch, um, they watch wild Crafts, which is a show on PBS about two brothers who help save animals. And my kids have learned so much from the show. It's amazing. Like they can tell me all about a cheetah, and monarch butterflies and it's also really fun because we have a lot of milkweed out in our backyard so what they've learned on that show they can go into their backyard and they can really relate and put into put into real life what they've learned on that show um the other only other shows they watch are daniel tiger because it teaches emotional intelligence also for me (laughs) it teaches how to (laughs) kind of stay calm as a parent because like kids can be really challenging sometimes and stressful so it's good to have coping techniques not only for your children but for you as parents <laughs> so who knew um, that you we, could learn to parent from watching cartoons yeah well if it's educational <laughs> <laughs> i learned a lot from bugs bunny and Daffy uh, duck and, and the roadrunner and that's anyway and nothing wrong with those shows we're just we try and be mindful of the screen time they have so if they are going to watch tv like i mean they don't know the difference of Wildcraft is an educational show versus SpongeBob. <laughs> they don't yeah. know like there's a difference between the shows. They just know they're watching something funny on TV and they don't really know they're learning. So if they're on TV, it's usually there's a reason for it. What are your goals for your kids? What is it? What for- is it successful to you when when your little guys are grown up and they're mm-hmm. off and have families of their own? How will you determine that you have been successful as a parent in raising them? Right now, both my children, they're almost two and almost four, and they both say they want to be doctors. So I guess we have a lot of work to do. (laughs) 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 So, but I mean, like, if that's what they're passionate about, if I can help them guide them towards that path, like, I think that's one of the beauties of homeschool. If they want to study medicine, they know that at an early age, they're passionate about it. We can spend a lot more time 
on medicine while they're young. So I think that's a great thing about homeschool. We can get their core subjects knocked out pretty quickly, and then they can spend time on what they're passionate about. And that's kind of goes back to unschooling. They're following their um, interests and their passions. And I mean, they're almost two and almost four right now. So that's kind of a long way off. But as it changes, as they get older, I guess, for me, what would make me haven't been a successful mother would be make sure my kids are happy, emotionally intelligent, well-educated, and they're happy and they can follow their passions and their dreams. Well, we're going to be coming up on an hour real soon, so we're only going to have time for one or two more questions or points. Is there anything that you want to bring out instead of us asking the question? Is there anything that you really want to bring out that maybe... We, we haven't missed. covered or we've yeah. missed. Oh goodness. Um that's Rupert shaking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's nothing really I can think of. I guess maybe one thing would just be um I mean you don't have to live your life the way you're told to. You can find other ways to be happy and be successful. It doesn't have to be what everyone else is doing. If that doesn't fit, if you find yourself unhappy find a different way to do something like it we let me okay let me let me ask a let me ask a a loaded guided question how's your family embraced your lifestyle um not at first I think it's everything that we've done people have been not they've just kind of opposed it or they've had different opinions or they've asked kind of questions but I'm super sensitive so maybe I just took it the wrong way the whole time (laughs) but um this when we went vegan it was are you sure did you do your research and yes we did (laughs) so it was just kind of answering those questions with fact-based research that we had come across and just also kind of having to listen to their thoughts and opinions respectfully and then just let it go um it's the same thing with I won't get into that. Um, with being vegan with my old boss, when I told her, like, my kids still sleep in my bed, she said, why? Yeah. <laughs> but we've always co-slept with our kids, and that's how they sleep better. Like, I like having them close by. And, I mean, we, we do a lot of things that maybe are controversial, but it's more natural, I think, and that's what works for us. And a lot of people aren't going to, like it at first or maybe they're just not familiar with it and they'll have they'll have their own questions and because it's different and they don't know how to respond any other way they might be cynical but I guess the best you can do is just be positive and educate people and if they are negative about it just let it go Elsa I love that and I (laughs) so and then that is kind of my follow-up question is for families that are listening who, you know, you have somebody, a child or a family member who really believes in this lifestyle with their whole heart. What advice do you have for those families to um, kind of integrate this lifestyle into sort of a more conventional life? I would say if you don't have the support of your family or close friends, um, I mean, you don't need to walk away from them. (laughs) That's not what I would want to say here it would just be listen to them if they have concerns listen and make make sure they know their points are maybe valid or that they feel heard but you need to follow what you feel is best for your family because they don't know 
everything, even though they're family, they might feel like they really know what's going on, but they not, not might not necessarily have the whole story, the whole picture. So if it's right for you, try it out in homeschooling. If it doesn't work for you one year, put them in public school, see if that works better. And it doesn't have to be one thing or the other. You can try different things and see what works best for you. Um, but I would say to someone who has a lot of conflict with family that you find a group online even and get some help or guidance support from people online and find people in your area that are like-minded and get some support from new people and new groups that will share the same philosophies and mindset as you, because there's other people out there that you'd be surprised will have similar philosophies. You just don't know they're there because you haven't met yet, but there's people like-minded people everywhere. Sure. Now, Sarah, I'm, I'm afraid that's going to be our last question because we are quickly coming up on the hour. But would you like to go ahead and plug your school? It's called, what, the MUD School? It's called MUD School. Um, it stands for Minds Under Development. But you go out and you play in the mud, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, they do. Okay. Their first art project was in muddy like muddy feet and on paper okay so if, we deal with that every day when rupert and jack come in from the yard <laughs> so sarah's in southwest ohio pretty much extreme southwest ohio and no, maybe not extreme southwest but um if you are interested in the mud school or questions about sarah you can contact us here at An Hour of Your Life. Kim, how do they get hold of us? You can reach us at alosthour at gmail.com, which is also our Twitter, alosthour. Um, or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at An Hour of Your Life. If you have any questions for Sarah about the vegan lifestyle, the holistic lifestyle, um, unschooling, homeschooling, I'm, I'm sure that she would be more than happy to answer them. Um, so feel free to send them to us and we will pass them along to her and get you an answer. All right, Sarah, you got uh, 30 seconds or so. Anything? Thank you for being on the show. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Yep, thank you for having me. Any last thoughts? Um, Nope. All righty. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) So we have enjoyed. I have learned a lot. Yeah. I have learned and... uh, it, it's it's been I wish educational that I had for me. Sarah's dedication. Yeah, it this doesn't sound something for the faint of heart. It no, sounds it's like it's yeah, it takes, takes a lot of work and it takes, takes work. some effort and some work to do absolutely. this. Absolutely. Best of luck, Sarah, with what you're doing. And again, if you have questions for Sarah and her philosophy, her lifestyle, go ahead, write us here, and we will forward those on down to Sarah and put those put you in contact with her. Mm-hmm. But other than that, Sarah, thank you for being on the show tonight. Yep. Thank you. All right. Well, Kim. Yep. It's that time. It is that time. So, from our studios in Sugar Creek, Ohio. Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us.